Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Apparently, nobody needed to do the, any of this research, Colin. They just needed to talk to you. They, <laughs> what do you think, Colin? Uh, because all this research is backing up what you are intuitively noting. Experiences are more shareable than they've ever been before, right? So that it is possible to conspicuously consume experiences in a way that has never been true before because of social media. I don't know. I'm, it's making me think about our favorite subject of, of segmentation. It, it's you like, are who, who are you being conspicuous to? Maybe even why are, you, why are you being conspicuous? Why do you feel the need to be conspicuous? These are exactly the right questions. Ryan, good news, mate. We've had another question from one of our listeners today. Good. The question is around an interesting area, which is um, conspicuous consumption. Very okay. interesting. Yes. Yeah. He's written to us basically saying that he and his team were considering whether their product fell into that sort of arena of conspicuous consumption and what they should be doing about it if it did. But they were debating what actually is conspicuous consumption. I'm going to have a problem with that word. You know that, don't you? Yeah, I actually, I wrote in that question to us, Colin, uh, specifically because <laughs> I wanted you to have to say conspicuous consumption over and over again. Next week, you can expect a letter from Sally down by the seashore asking how she can sell more seashells. Or from Peter Piper. Who or from Peter Piper. Pickle, pickle, pepper. He's got, and, he's was got that a lot the of pickle questions. picker that Peter Piper picked. Yeah. Well, now that I know you can say it, you're not going to get a letter from Peter Piper. <laughs> We're not going to call it conspicuous consumption anymore. We're just going to call it CC. How about that? No, we are not. <laughs> We're going to say that phrase as often as we possibly can. Tell us, what, from a scientific perspective, what is it? What is conspicuous consumption? Yes, and well done. Yeah, so <laughs> the the phrase conspicuous consumption dates back to 1899. This um, sociologist named Veblen came up with it to describe the way that some people buy stuff. And his point was that, especially at the time that he wrote it, he said not everybody is buying stuff in this way, but there's a group of people, mostly the, the wealthy who are buying stuff largely to be so that they can be seen owning it by other people, right? So the consumption itself of these these goods and services is very conspicuous. I want to to buy it. This is a interesting idea that Veblen proposed. It's been massively influential, in part because at the time that he wrote this, I remember 1899. They're kind of marketing didn't exist there there weren't that many branded items those that were many of them tended to be very expensive stuff so for most of the people living day to day they this didn't affect them right in fact the the book that he wrote was a 
theory of the leisure class. That that was the book where he he coined the term oh, right. conspicuous consumption. So he was, he was not talking about everybody really. He was talking about the, what's made it interesting though is in the time since Veblen, you know, branding has exploded across all price points, price quality tiers. You've got this phenomenon of trading up where sometimes people will scrimp in one part of their lives so that they can splurge in another. I think that it is increasingly common for people, you don't have to be wealthy, for people across income spectrums to consume conspicuously. Now, still probably not everybody, but way more of us are engaged in some form of conspicuous consumption where we are buying and using, at least in part, so that we can be seen buying and using by other people. If I think I'm actually writing with it, so if I think I I. I treated myself to some Mont Blanc pens. Okay. And I sometimes sit here and I write it with my Mont Blanc pen or pencil in the case, this case. And I sit here and I think to myself, a big pen does exactly the same. Yeah. But I quite like this pen. Uh, so I guess that is conspicuous consumption at the high end, isn't it? Well, it is now that you flashed it in front of the camera. Uh, this on, one, on look at this. YouTube look. Channel. Yes. Um, and mentioned it by name to our our audio listeners. But that's a really good example, right? Because there's nothing about the pen itself that makes it conspicuous, right? You could own a very nice pen and then use it exclusively in your home office to write notes for yourself, and no one would know, right? Uh, but a pen can be conspicuous, right? Because we, we often take them to meetings. We pull it out in front of business clients. Other people may see it. And certainly if you ever tell anybody about it, that then makes it conspicuous. So there are, there are certain classes of goods that tend to be more conspicuous by nature. Cars, for example, tend to be more conspicuous. People see you arriving in your car. They see you getting into your car. Uh, they might see your keychain, which might have your branded car fob on it. Clothing is very conspicuous. So any clothing brands you have. There's other stuff, though, that's less so. I talk in, in some of my branding classes about uh, Dove soap. So I'm sure you remember the Dove Real Beauty campaign. Uh, not really, but... Well, let me, let me give you an overview. So uh, Dove uh, is a very old soap brand. And for a long time, it was positioned um, with a very functional benefit of moisturizing your skin. So if you use Dove soap, it's very good for your skin. And then, gosh, I don't know, at this point, it was maybe uh, 15 years ago, they rebranded uh, around what they called the Real Beauty Campaign. And they they had some really powerful moving commercials kind of talking about the way that a lot of beauty and beauty products are lies. And, you know, they, they had commercials where they showed a picture of a, a model being taken and then and then showed how this very beautiful woman was photoshopped into like superhuman levels of, of beauty. And then that was what actually went into the, the magazine, right? Calling out unrealistic beauty standards. And so it was, it was a very interesting move and Dove got a lot of good press for it and people were very excited about it. But ultimately, I'm not sure that it was a long lasting success for, for Dove because bar soap is just not a great conspicuous consumption category. It's hard to sure. communicate something to other people with Unless your you get soap. a load of friends in the shower with you. Yeah, so. no, exactly. I like, mean, you, you could could say, come into the shower and watch me use this bar of soap. Exactly. Um, and that only works so many times, right? I can, <laughs> I can only invite my friends to tour my bathroom so I can point out my branded soap so many times before it gets weird. You could, 
leave the bar of soap on the floor. They could stand on it, slip over, and that wouldn't make it conspicuous. And then in the lawsuit where they sued you, um, the, <laughs> the lawyer would mention Dove many times. I think it would be very successful. I think that would be... So again, like uh, that, the, the Real Beauty campaign was very interesting, I think, from a kind of a marketing history perspective. I think it was very innovative and groundbreaking. But it is up against this idea that, that you know, hopefully so our listeners question, not everything can be conspicuous consumption. There are certain categories. You know, I'm, I might love my water heater that I installed in my house. It's going to be real hard for me to make that conspicuous. There's some things that are very conspicuous naturally, other things that are not. Other things like your pen, which may be or may not be, depends on how we use it. So I guess by definition, if it's conspicuous, someone has to notice it. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be fundamental to the definition of conspicuous, yes. The reason that I mention that is that I'm convinced that there must be, let me give you an example. My sister-in-law spends an awful lot of money on handbags. I haven't got a bloody clue about what handbags she may have a handbag and i don't know if it's worth twenty dollars or two thousand dollars because i know nothing about handbags that's what i mean by noticing it somebody may look at my pen and go colin has a black pen but they don't actually know that it's a monk blog pen they couldn't care less whether it's a monk blog pen or not so i guess by definition is maybe the I don't know. I'm, it's making me think about our favorite subject of, of segmentation. It, it's you like, are who, who are you being conspicuous to? Maybe even why are, you, why are you being conspicuous? Why do you feel the need to be conspicuous? These are exactly the right questions. So uh, there's actually research on this uh, that I can share with you. Uh, the, the first point being, though, that uh, as we always say, it's never one thing. We're going to be talking about what branded products do for other people, right? We're going to be talking about how you communicate to other people through the things that you buy and use, but that's not the only driver. There, there I'm sure that there are some people who, who are pen aficionados who will tell you that, no, no, this Mont Blanc pen in fact writes better, right? So they, they've got a, an opinion about the actual performance of it. There are other people who will buy it and it's like, no, when I use this pen, I feel like I've accomplished something. It reminds me of what I've done. So it's purely introspective, right? I feel different. Those are perfectly valid reasons to buy something, right? If we're talking specifically, though, about conspicuous consumption, then the point you made it is exactly right. Not all conspicuous consumption is the same. There's this fascinating phenomenon. My colleague at Emory, uh, Morgan Ward, who we've had on the podcast uh, several years ago, she published some really interesting research where they looked at kind of the, I think they called it the loudness of the brand signal. You might see a Gucci handbag where the Gucci logo is like tiny and you can hardly even spot it. And then there's others where the word Gucci is written in like 1000 point font all over the bag. You can't possibly miss it. What they found is that as a, an item gets more expensive, the branding gets louder and louder. So we get bigger and bigger logos and symbols and brand names up to a point. And then as it gets even more expensive, the loudness of that brand signal starts to go back down. So that the very most expensive handbags and sunglasses and things, the branding is very, very discreet. Their explanation for this, and they, they backed it up with some additional studies, is that just what you were saying, people are communicating to different audiences. So 
as you're getting an expensive handbag, you might want to communicate even to people like Colin who don't know anything about handbags. If it, you don't know anything about neither do I, by the way. But if I saw a handbag that had Dolce & Gabbana written on it in massive font, even I could understand that signal. But at some point, people who are very much in the know and who have a lot of wealth and want to communicate, they no longer want to communicate to everybody. They now only want to communicate to people who either also have a lot of wealth or who also have a lot of kind of specific knowledge in that category. So other aficionados, for example. And so it changes the audience. There's kind of a segmentation on who you're communicating to. The interesting bit for me as well, then, is you're mentioning wealth there. And I know that this is obviously where it started off from. But conspicuous consumption. I said it right. How about that? There are other things that you conspicuously consume, aren't there? So I'm thinking of people who are environmental things. I don't know, driving a Prius or something like that. I mean, that that must be conspicuous consumption as well. So it's not just about wealth. Yeah, yeah. And there, there's research on this too. You're exactly right. Apparently, nobody needed to do the, any of this research, Colin. They just needed to talk to you. And they, <laughs> what do you think, Colin? Uh, because all this research is backing up what you are intuitively noting. When Veblen first started talking about this, it was about wealth, right? So rich people are going to communicate to poor people and also to other rich people through what they can do. And that was the way people thought of it for a long time. But you're absolutely right. It is not, it, it still is a lot about that for in many categories. <laughs> like a lot of luxury goods are very much about conspicuous consumption, but it doesn't have to be. It's just about communicating something to other people. And so you're right. So people can communicate their values through what they consume. You know, there's, there's jokes about how vegans will, will not stop talking about veganism. And some part of that might be construed as conspicuous consumption, right? I'm, I'm refusing to eat animal products and I'm going to do that in a very conspicuous way in part because those, those are my values and they're important to me. And I want other people to know that about me. You know, as you mentioned, environmental credibility is another thing that can be signaled conspicuously. Uh, cool can be. Some people might wear like a, a t-shirt from a very popular band, like a Guns N' Roses or a U2, like everybody would know who that is. But you've also got people who would communicate who would who would wear a shirt from a band that like nobody's ever heard of. But if somebody else has heard of that band, well, now you know that they're in the tribe, right? And so like, I'm, I'm communicating to just those specific people who are cool enough to know about this brand or about this, this musician or about this, you know, yes. you know, if I'm carrying around some particular heady book and I'm carrying that in a conspicuous way, I might be signaling to just people who are also kind of into that kind of literature. Yeah, it was making me think this week because knowing that we were going to talk about this subject, I flew back to the States, to Florida on um, Monday, okay? And when I landed in uh, Tampa, I was getting my luggage and someone had a surfboard, clearly a big surfboard, okay? First of all, I thought, do they not know there are not many waves on the Gulf Coast? But well known for its huge waves. I also thought, yeah, there's some form of branding on that the the carry case or whatever. I hadn't got a bloody clue what the branding was. I don't I don't know if that meant it was high end, low end, environmentally friendly, 
a one-of-a-kind surfboard nobody else has ever got in the world I haven't got a clue uh, so i guess it goes does go back to that tribe bit doesn't it yeah and yet a surfboard is an interesting thing because everybody knows what a surfboard is we may not know what the brand is so there might be like multiple levels there i i can remember in high school there were people who would like always carry a basketball around with them or always carry a, a skateboard around with them. Even if they weren't using it, it became though a way of signaling to other people what was important. So, you know, this guy's cool. You know, this guy's a surfer. We might not have it. You know, if you were an actual surfer, you might know that, oh, this brand that he's wearing or that he's a surfboard is actually a big deal and, and it shows that he's committed or that it's kind of a joke and that shows that he's not. But the surfboard itself is another form of conspicuous consumption. This is where it made me start thinking as I was thinking it through about where's the sort of intersection between this and branding because of exactly what you're just saying, basically. If you think of conspicuous consumption, is that so certainly it could be that I'm consuming a certain brand, but is that more about therefore branding rather than conspicuous consumption or does that actually go back to answering our listeners question which is around is there product or services is it being consumed conspicuously so is there much of a difference between the two they're certainly joined together aren't they yeah i mean i think that they're separate ideas i don't think we could collapse conspicuous consumption into branding as if they're equivalent but they obviously overlap a great deal, like where one of the values that you get out of a brand is that it can communicate something to other people about you. Just to follow that down the line, just to follow that down the line, that is then you like showing people, i.e. you are conspicuously consuming something because of that being wanting to be in that tribe and uh, everything else. Exactly. Because of yeah. what it says about you. Yeah. And it's not, again, it's never, it's usually not that alone. So you love Apple products, for example. And part of that is because of the, the functional qualities of Apple. You trust them. They make, you know, well-designed products, things that are easy to use and reliable and all that. Um, I suspect that part of it, though, is also you see yourself as an Apple person, which means that you kind of resonate with what the, the brand stands yeah, for. I'm, you like the associations. Everybody knows that I'm cool and I'm trendy. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows that. I mean, it's just part of me. Exactly. This is the last part of why I suspect you like Apple is what it communicates <laughs> to other people who might somehow not know that you're cool until they see you using your Apple product. Ryan, we've reached a new milestone, mate. What is that? I now have 70,000 people signed up for my LinkedIn newsletter called Why Customers Buy. 70,000. That's very impressive, Colin. That just so happens to be slightly more than the capacity of the first energy stadium where the Cleveland Browns play in Cleveland, Ohio. I've got to tell you, mate, that doesn't surprise me. My milestone doesn't seem as good now you mention Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, hey, beating the Cleveland Browns is still an accomplishment. It still is. <laughs> It would be for my five-year-old, but not for most football teams. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to sign up for my newsletter, go onto LinkedIn and search for Why Customers Buy, or just go to my profile, Colin Shaw, and sign up for a free LinkedIn newsletter. Well, but the interesting bit there, just to get serious about that for a moment, is 
it's actually what I would like people to think about me. It's not what actually people do think about, necessarily do think about me. One of the really, really interesting things about Apple, I cannot think of very many brands that have been able to do this. Maybe Nike. It is really hard for a brand to be mainstream and cool at the same time. Usually, as more and more people start to use a brand, then the brand becomes less shiny. It's less less cool. And so you're like, and I, I think that Apple, to a remarkable degree, has kind of maintained some of its cool factor, even though people like you and me are using it, right? So typically, if you want to be cool, it has to be like the, just the cool people are using it. And then you've got like kind of a fringe who are also sort of using yeah. it. But that usually degrades the coolness of the brand. It's a rare exception where that's the case. But Apple, I think, still has some cachet. So here's an interesting thought. I'm thinking it's coming up to September, and I'm thinking I'm going to get myself a new phone. Why? Because I've had one for a couple of years. For me, is that part of that? Is that still a conspicuous consumption? So is part of the reason that I'm buying a new phone is because I want to be seen to have the latest phone and the latest technology. Yes. So again, uh, there are lots of reasons why you could, right? There may be some new feature in the new phone that you're like, oh, that would really improve my experience. I sure. definitely don't have that. So all, all of that aside, one thing that Apple has done very, very cleverly is every new edition of the phone, there's some prominent visual feature that distinguishes it from the old phones. Right. So yeah, that's a good at point. some point there was one camera and then the new phone had two cameras and you could see that they were the two cameras on them. Yeah. I've been seeing headlines that that they're going to they are going to or they've already introduced a yellow iPhone. Have you seen? Have you no. Seen? Okay. No. But I think you're raising a really good point. Like the colors, for example, there's no reason on earth why Apple should only introduce iPhones that are white, black, or, or gray. Like, there's nothing to stop them from allowing people to have colors, and they could do that every year. But if they don't, if it's like, oh, well, now only the, the newest model has some color options, then that signals if you've got a color one, everybody knows that that's the newest edition. And then they'll stop doing that the next year and do something else. So that for the, that group of people for which this is important, for which conspicuous consumption is important, and it won't be everybody, but for that group, they're providing that value. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no. It's making me, you're doing well today, mate. You're making me think. And what it's making me think is that... I don't like to expose you to ideas when you're in England. We need to keep the ideas <laughs> in the American soil. So you're only getting the real stuff when you come back to Florida. <laughs> okay, I'll make sure I'm here more. It's making me think that the sort of conspicuous consumption is the implementation of a brand. So let me give you a, an example of that. So we've talked about, I may be getting a new phone and part of that is because I haven't had one for a couple of years and therefore to people that in the know, to your point, may see that it's a pink one or a black one or a whatever else. And they go, oh, college got the latest new phone. But the opposite applies as well, doesn't it, to the other sort of, let's call it the other end of the market, okay? So someone who's got a, I don't know, Apple 4, I don't know if they still work, but that also says something about them, which is, I don't care about all this. I don't care all about this stuff. I don't care about having the, the latest things. And so 
And that could be part of the, or is probably part of the image that that person is trying to create. Okay. And not necessarily, I'm not saying everything, everybody does things just to create an image because clearly they don't. It feels like this is part of the implementation of the brand, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the way I would encourage people to, to think about this is, this is dramatically oversimplified, but think about your brand as a, like a pie chart, and maybe we'll give it three different slices in there. So one is kind of the functional value of the brand, and one is like the self-communication or the self-perception aspect of the brand, and then one is the conspicuous consumption part of the brand. And the, the size of those pie pieces will be different depending on the brand. But for many brands, all three are there. And so to your point, like, are you implementing something in your branding that will allow some source of value for all three of those parts of the pie? Do you, like Apple, for example, does produce some stuff that performs really, really well, right? And it does have these kind of like self-valued aspects of the brand that a lot of people like see themselves as more creative because they're Apple users. And then there's the, the conspicuous consumption. So like, are you implementing something for all three of those. And since we're talking about conspicuous consumption for that specifically. Tell people your thought about social media, because yeah. I think that this was something we talked about pre-show and I think it's really a really interesting insight. Yeah, so going back to the, the question that was asked by our listener, like does conspicuous consumption matter for me? Think about your product category. That'll, that'll tell you something. Think about the sources of value for your brand. That'll tell you something else. But especially since I know we've got a lot of con- customer experience professionals listening right now experiences are more shareable than they've ever been before right so that it is possible to conspicuously consume experiences in a way that has never been true before because of social media so going to the dentist was never a conspicuous experience before you couldn't conspicuously consume your dentistry you can now, if for some reason you wanted to, you could take pictures of the office and post them and a selfie with your dental hygienist as, as he's, she's cleaning your teeth and pictures of your x-ray. So all of these experiences, which used to be private, can now actually be publicly consumed. I think that opens up an entirely new dimension for creating value on conspicuous consumption domains that previously weren't, weren't there before. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a really good that's a really good point. You know, the other one I would throw in here is, as I thought about it, was one of the new phrases that's come up over the last few years has been virtue signaling. Yes. Yeah. Conspicuous consumption is also about saying, you know, in in a certain area that I'm virtuous because I'm consuming these things, so it Absolutely. helps me in the signaling to what people are saying. I made a joke about, you know, your water heater not being a, you know, conspicuous consumption opportunity. But if I bought a super fuel efficient water heater, one that was very environmentally friendly, I could imagine posting about that on social media so that I could signal to other people how important those values were to me. So, yeah, I I think that that's that's very much tied up in this. Makes you think about actually people posting about their what they're eating and stuff as well, doesn't it? Yep. Any meal is now conspicuous consumption, potentially. And potentially virtue signaling, depending upon what you're eating as well. Or potentially luxury or whatever else. So, whatever, yeah. yeah. Or signaling that you're just like, you're an interesting person because I'm a yes. 
you know, I'm a boring person raised in the Midwest, but look at the Thai food that I've created for myself here, right? And signaling how, how cosmopolitan I am. Yep. Which goes back to the brand as well, doesn't it? Let's do our usual bit. So what? What what does this mean? Go back to our listeners' question. What does it mean? So let's assume that, yes, their product or service is being conspicuously consumed. What does it mean that they should do? So going back to the question from the listener, I would first try to figure out, is there an opportunity here? And there won't be for all brands, right? It won't for all offerings. For some things, people tend to consume them in private. It's not something they necessarily want to be associated with. Uh, I remember hearing an example, which I hope is true. I I haven't tracked this down, but there was a a medicine for um, colon health, some kind of supplement that you could take. And they decided it would be a good idea to create an online forum where people who use the supplement, who use this medicine could get together and like talk about their colon health. And uh, it it didn't work because that was a, a product that nobody wanted to consume conspicuously. Nobody wanted other people to know about their colon problems, right? So there's stuff where conspicuous consumption is not going to help you. So first figure that out. Is this actually... Flatulence pills. There you go. Uh, Well, that is conspicuous. I was going to say, you don't have to conspicuously. You can just smell that they're coming. That's that's an attempt to be less <laughs> conspicuous through your consumption um, to reduce that. Oh but but yeah, so I mean, it, it may be some. You know, if you're selling office paper, you can make the best office paper in the world. There's a good chance nobody's wanting to consume that conspicuously. On the other hand, uh, you may have opportunities there. So if you are, if you do have opportunities there, you know, do what we've been talking about, where you have a strategy around that. Right. I mean, Apple introducing a yellow phone when there's nothing to have stopped them from allowing people to pick any color they want to for forever. Sure. It is very much this. It's allowing people to signal that they're they've got the newest thing. And and for some people, that's going to be important. So provide that source of value for the people who want to consume conspicuously. Give some consideration to which audience people want to communicate with are they communicating broadly to everybody or are they narrow casting where they only want to communicate to certain people about this and try to build that into it and then finally recognize that experiences too can now be conspicuously consumed increasingly and so if that's an opportunity for you are you facilitating that are you giving lots of like instagram worthy moments during the experience that uh, you're providing yeah, and building on that, you know, and I think we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. Are you enabling that? So, are you providing free Wi-Fi and various different things like that? that you know, and reminding and, people know, to to post. Yeah, and here's a great great place to take a picture of what you're consuming from the dentist chair as the dentist is going into your mouth with a drill. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, great. We hope that's uh, been of use. And just think to yourself now, are you conspicuously consuming something? It is making me think that we maybe need to produce bumper stickers for the podcast, Colin. Um, allow we, people yeah. to conspicuously consume the intuitive yeah. customer. Well, may, maybe there's even more value with people saying, I definitely don't listen to this podcast. Oh, which, oh <laughs> no. What you got to do is you got to take out your earphones and instead listen to the podcast on your speaker loudly oh, in front of yes. everybody at the grocery store or the gym with you 
so that yeah. everybody else will know what you're listening to. <laughs> Be proud. Okay, everyone. We look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.